Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. From the sound of things, our engineer here just kind of went, uh? You want to say what you just said before? The mics are on now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so hi folks, I'm Tim Harvey. I'm Jason Hyde. Welcome to the show. Uh, We were on just a little bit late because reasons, but... um, also a little bit quiet if you've been watching, yeah, and uh, we're, we're seeing our lips move and no sound coming out. Wow, our brand new, our brand new set. Mimi Cat says she can't hear us. Hopefully, she can hear us now. Uh, Jason brought the Gremlins with him. No, when he moved. No, this is they stowed away. This is this is the shot. This is the shot in the movie where you see the car driving away at the end of the film, and everybody thinks they won. And hanging off the bumper <laughs> is these little yeah. Gremlins, and they look at the camera and they smile evilly. Jose Villarreal Lobos came See, what you couldn't hear is that I was pointing out that the on what you can't see on this side is all this cool Star Wars stuff over here on this side. A lot of uh, Funko and, which, and which models and things like that. See, which you can actually see on Salacious Crumbs. Right. Which we just dropped, brand new episode 75 today, and you can see... Right. All of this wonderful. But I was also pointing out that for two people who often sit there and you know either complain about being old or point out the fact that we're really not that old, Jason has put <laughs> vintage, and I love vintage stuff. I love vintage phones and, and radios, and I own a bunch of vintage typewriters and vintage cameras because they look so cool. They're designed so well. They're basically works of art back when yeah. people made stuff to have uh, form as well as function, right? Yeah. But it's a little on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> that candlestick phone actually still works. Yeah. It actually really works. And it's not a, as far as I know, it's not a replica. Right. I think it's a, I think it's a, a real thing. And just, just to add to the ambiance, uh-huh. we have this Thorndike Barnhart dictionary <laughs> from the, um, the new theme will sound remarkably like Masterpiece Theater. <laughs> Good this evening, is, and welcome um, to H2O. Uh, My name is Timothy Harvey. 19... And on tonight's show... 
52. We'll be discussing now H.G. Wells <laughs> and the Time Machine, <laughs> the new book. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I was okay. So this this dictionary, 1952. Yeah. Uh, you can't see very well here, but this this dictionary belonged to my mother mm-hmm. before she was my mother. Before she was whose my, mother was she? Before, before? she was. Yeah. <laughs> Not my mother. Um, this is before even before she was married mm-hmm. and was still single. Right. And, yeah. That's what what happens before you're married. And. Uh, yes, I, I've heard this. I've heard the stocking story before. For whatever reason, and I'm sure she had a good reason. I think the fact that she probably liked my dad. I would um, hope. <laughs> his name and his initials are all over this book. <laughs> so that's. Yeah, my my yeah, my my sister signed it too. But yeah, that's the. That's the vintage dictionary <laughs> to go with the vintage oh my. stuff in the back. Now, now, even even these books here on the back shelf here mm-hmm. are the classics. Right, the Heinleins, yeah. the Asimovs. I mean, you guys can't see it. I, I was really hoping that you could see right. more of the detail of the set. We may have to do a tour with lots of close-ups and show everybody exactly what's going on. Um, but uh, while we wait for our coffee, um, uh, yeah, we've got we've even got close-up cameras set up. I'm very excited about that. We won't see them yet until somebody's over there to push buttons, and it's not going to be me because if I get up and move over there, it's you know problematic. We're still figuring some things out. We're still putting bits and pieces together. I, it took me a little while uh, yesterday to figure out how we're doing pineapple. Um, and I think I've got it all figured out mm-hmm. over there. So that that set is essentially complete, although we had some, some video lag mm. because I was broadcasting through the laptop instead right. of sure. the tower. And we still don't have... Uh, I don't have a hard line mm. down here yet. We're still going off of the Wi-Fi, which yeah. hopefully is going to be okay. Uh, so far, we haven't had any issues with it yet. But, yeah, for those of you who don't know, I work from home, and I have one of my computers, usually the one I use for my 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 very few of our employees are ever in the same space at the same time except for me you know like monthly meetings or conferences and things like that so we all tend to communicate by skype and so i've had the the laptop that is basically the work laptop uh i have plugged into the hard line so that my skype connection is good you know and i'm not getting you know cutouts and weird things like that Mm -hmm. um the The other day, I had reason to plug the. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you. My my Mac, which is what I do most of my actual work on, because uh-huh. uh, it's the, it's a desktop, so I don't take it. The laptops are great to be portable, but you know. Uh, so and it's a twenty seven inch screen, so I've got plenty of room to do the things I want. So I had like over the weekend, the hard line was plugged into the to the Mac, and I was like, oh yeah, 
This is what happens when this machine is a really powerful machine that I own actually connects to the internet properly. I, I have to Jeez. say that I mean wireless is fine, it's just not the, you know the great. Recording the recording that you gave me for Good Morning Multiverse mm-hmm. was so much cleaner <laughs> than well, anything that you do when you that's, online. That's because I didn't use the laptop camera. I shot that on my DSLR. Uh, which is probably why it looked like it did. Uh, yes. 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 It's an HD camera as opposed to, and I supposedly the camera in my laptop is HD, but See, I don't buy and it. And that's what that's what bugs me about these these little webcams here that we're using for the, mm-hmm. the single shots that you haven't seen yet, is they're supposed to be HD webcams. Yes. But they're not giving me an HD signal. It's one of those things where I'm like, um, it's supposed to... There we go. I think that I think that camera might need to tilt down just a that just a smidge. We're still we're still down. Down. Are you sure? Because I think oh, you're. Oh, oh, yeah, because yes, it's oh. like we want the we want we, all of your head. Oh, okay. There we go. There we go. And, and then pan back. But you can see a little bit. This of way, show. yes. Yeah, this is this is. Yes. See, and there's Mindy over there. Here, Mindy. Right, right, right. And there's some of this cool stuff. And of course, the folks of you who are listening to this can't see a bloody thing. Um, and there's Jason. There I am. And let's get now him mostly because, centered. Now we can tilt down because now we got way too much headroom on the show. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. There we are. All right. Ta-da. So, so there's my there's my shot. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Tim shot. There's Tim shot. See, Tim shot is fine because. I set all this stuff up ahead of time. It's because I'm so pretty. But I was planning for you to sit here. Aha. And I was going to sit there. I think I'm a little glary on top. Um, um, it does not help that I've got basically, my, my hair is, is See, on that edge between gray and, and why brown. I you over here because. Well, it's not like we can't lights, switch. Well, we already threw the graphic up identifying you there and me here. So well, that's that definitely the reason to switch and sure. confuse people. <laughs> But these lights. But wait here, a minute. These lights up here, I need to get um, dimmer, mm. uh, dimmer fix uh, uh, bulbs in yep. those, and that'll take care of some of the glare on that. Yeah, I just noticed that now that now that my hair is on that edge. Between, I've had gray hair for when I started graying at sixteen, but I've had like really gray hair for like the last six seven years. I mean, it's been it's been oh, pretty much everything's been just gray. Right. And but it's on that edge where it's starting to go a little bit white. I'm expecting to be completely white by 55. My grandfather uh, English went white fairly early. Yeah, it's a, uh, the the men in my family tend to tend to gray early. Yeah. Um, I think my brother, who is who is the blondest of us, most of us have very dark hair, but my brother's uh, got fairly light brown hair. Uh, looks like my my hair was in my teenage years. It's the same color, and my hair just got really really dark brown, and his just never got that dark. Brown, I think he will probably not look gray. Appear, I mean, he'll, he'll be graying at the same time, but but it won't it won't be as noticeable. But so yeah, so I mean, looking at this, and I've seen this in a couple of times on sets. It's like, you know, it's wonderfully glowy. <laughs> well, and I'm just now noticing that on your close up, the light switch to our on the air light is right in the back of your head. Oh. So we may have to adjust the angle on the camera a little bit. But yeah, we have it on the air light, mm-hmm. which is upstairs um, 
for people who are coming in. Right. Yeah. You know, they're going to come down the stairs to the bunker, and the on the air light is on. We know to uh, you know to to watch what we're talking about, what kind of noise we're making, and whatnot. Um, By the way, these are these are fairly these are nice and comfy chairs. Is much it? better than what yeah. we have at the kitchen table. But right? still, these are yeah. you know. So uh, those of you who are watching live, <coughs> a couple of things. Um, well, first of all, a, a little piece of business because we have not mentioned yet we have a sponsor, mm -hmm. um, and if you go to superherostuff.com, you enter the promo code sci for me ten, you get ten percent off your order. This is something that you can use in combination with. Uh, other offers and discounts and special pricing and, and that sort of thing. So we do encourage you to go and take care of that. Now, for those of you who are watching live, um, I talk, I'm talking to this camera here. Um, that, see, that's going to be the thing. Is right, yeah, yeah. Talk. For those of you who are watching live, uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. And second, uh, we do have uh, the Super Chat activated so if you would like to throw a dime or two our way you are more than welcome to do that um, and plus jumping into the live chat you can leave us your comments and participate in the conversation as we go because this is live video here um, there is a little bit of a delay yeah because something that i was supposed to set it didn't get set the way i wanted it to ah. because um there's a when you set these things up, uh, there's a, a, a low latency setting or an mm -hmm. ultra low latency right. setting that I generally like to use in order to decrease the amount of delay between what we're actually saying mm -hmm. and what people are actually hearing. Right. right now, it's about a 20 to 25 second delay behind oh, okay. where we actually are. Um, can you pull your mic closer? We'll talk I... louder to near fine. Okay. Tim's fine. I'm see that was that was going to be my next question is how the sound was because our microphone placement is a little bit different here than it was. <laughs> yeah, in about twenty five seconds we'll know. Okay, so what we'll do then um, is this. Let me just tighten that up. Um, over on the microphone panel over there. Um, yeah, to your right. Mindy, the, the microphone panel there. So one of those, um, channel one would be the one that my microphone is plugged into. So if you want to dial that one up just a smidge, that's a technical term, smidge, just a, just a smidge, that might help as well. Which is less uh, than a tick. Yeah. But more than just a hair. Right. Now, is this math like the Apple boxes are? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so those of you who are watching, if, if you have, if you notice anything, last night uh, during Pineapple, we ended up having, I ended up having to white balance the camera in the middle of it. I was like, man, I'm looking, well, see, I'm looking, the camera, because I usually flip the, I, I flip the LCD yeah, uh -huh. monitor over so I can look at the shot and make sure right. the yeah, shot sure. is right, um, which is why I usually sit on camera left so I can I can look Next back. week we'll have the chairs in the correct <laughs> host no, in the, the correct configuration so that the Jason's not gonna hurt. It's the, the it's the operator. Yeah. <laughs> the so op operator error. Yeah. It's, it's operator, operator error. Yeah. So uh so I usually I'll He asked me if I wanted to sit in this chair. I was like, Yeah, sure. He's like, fine. And that's that was all he said. There was nothing else until we're on the air. I asked you that after you <laughs> sat there. And did you say, could you, you go ahead and sit in the other chair? No. Yeah. 
It's okay. It's okay. We're we're dealing. But usually, but last night, last night I was using this camera, right? And 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 it looked color looked fine Mm -hmm. in the LCD window, and it looked fine on the on the laptop Mm -hmm. because I was broadcasting through OBS and it looked fine there. But I'm I'm monitoring the live chat right on my cell phone, Mm -hmm. and I looked. does that look orange to you guys? I mean, the whole thing just mm. looked a little bit, just too. Now, much if it was yellow, color. it would fit the theme. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but orange it, is like you know, orange. a little yeah, too citrusy. It's weird. And they, you know, a couple of people popped in the chat and they're just like, "Yeah, it looks a little. It looks a little off. It looks a little mm. orange." And I was like, "I know. Why don't I white balance the camera?" <laughs> and that took care of it. So that was that was one of the things that I need to remember to do. It's having done this for thirty years, you get into habits. Sure, right, yeah. And sometimes you get into bad habits mm-hmm. because you just assume that the equipment is set the way it's supposed to be set because that's what you do all the time. Mm-hmm. But I neglected to take into account that we are now in a in a brand new room right mm-hmm. sitting on brown chairs mm-hmm. surrounded by paneling mm-hmm. and that's going to throw the color off oh, yeah, a little definitely. bit yeah. and our lighting is different now because mm-hmm. actually we actually have sort of a poor man's lighting grid mm-hmm. where we're actually hanging lights from the ceiling now we've got track lighting here and we've got um, the light that we normally use for different things is out. I mean, it's it's actually studio. Oh yeah, almost. no, I, I really like the space, really guys. Happy. I mean, it's, yeah. I'm very I'm very pleased with it. This is really nice. I appreciate that. It took a lot of work. Of course, this is not where the chairs started. No, I saw. I saw the. Uh, he sent me. Jason sent me a couple of photos, and and the first one, and they both looked good. I didn't have any. I was just like, cool. Okay. Yeah. But uh, originally, the chair started over here in the middle of the room. And Intern Without Portfolio said, no, I don't want him in the middle of the room. And she had some notion in her head that when we're having a conversation, we ought to be looking at each other. I suppose. These kids with their newfangled ideas and their rock and roll. Your side profiles are. <laughs> it's it's the Roman nose. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. I have I the chat's really quiet. Well, Nobody's saying anything. I guess maybe because you know, we keep talking about all of this stuff that we're not talking about, you know, the 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 old stuff and yeah. getting long in the tooth. You I I guess that's a a way to to get into vertigo because oh, vertigo. now after 26 years, vertigo's dead. Yeah, although I I have to say I've been thinking about this since I've been reading a lot of the stories um, about uh, I if if you take if you take the whole and and you know with, with the way DC has been restructuring ever since um, New Fifty Two right and a lot of a lot of the decisions they've been making in terms of in terms of, of publishing um, agree or disagree with them. And I think we've made it very clear that we're not fans of the New 52. Yeah. Uh, Rebirth has actually been very, very interesting. I think they've actually been fairly clever in some of their ways of dealing with the New 52 and not just brushing it under the rug, but actually trying to tell, tell some stories that incorporate it, which is kind of interesting. And I think some of that stuff has worked out well. Some of it, not so much. Um, but I think in many ways, it doesn't matter what 
it, whether Vertigo stuck around or they or basically everything that is Vertigo now ends up being this black label, right. or whatever the whatever the, the naming conventions are. I was thinking about this a lot today. Vertigo was over a long time ago. Oh yeah, and, and I think and, and, and a lot of people are saying that. And I think in many ways it it was a it was a victim of its success. Because when Vertigo came out in 1993, so for those folks who aren't familiar with Vertigo, Vertigo is the DC is a DC line that was there. These were okay. So back, oh god, now we're doing the I am uh, the old people thing again. So back in the 1970, well, with the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, 90s, mm. the Comics Code Authority dictated what you could and could not say show right um, in now, a comic for, book. For clarification, the Comics Code Authority was a piece of rules and regulation that was created by the comics industry itself. It yes. Was, it was a way for the comics to avoid government regulation stepping in and saying... Which had happened in previous that. decades. Yeah. And it hadn't, it hadn't just been comic books, it had been a lot of magazines. Um, and certainly... Uh, it also made it possible for them to sell their comic books overseas because you got into places like England, which were the reprint market yeah. for DC and Marvel was pretty much how the British got their comic books for uh, a significant chunk of the comics market in the 70s and 80s, 60s, 70s and 80s, were reprints. Uh, and so you would not, there were, there were really only a handful of homegrown British comic books and homegrown British superheroes. Like what? 80, when did eighty two thousand start? Nineties. Um, I want to say it was Judge, the eighties. I want to say maybe I think it was the eighties. Uh, but it was it, so. This was this wasn't something that was inflicted upon the comics industry. It was mm -hmm. something they all chose to abide by. Well, and this this was all uh, grown out of the the book um, that basically said that comics lead to juvenile delinquency yes yes uh-huh yeah um yeah, yeah. Uh, a book that that in retrospect holds up very poorly for its actual uh use of uh yeah i don't know thought but so so in the 80s what a lot of comic and marvel was dealing with this as well dc was dealing with this there weren't that many indies in the in not the, at that time uh and they were discovering that, that they were coming, they were having these really great writers come up with ideas that did not fit the comics code. And there was no place for these stories. Sure, you could self-publish. There were self-published comics. There were independent comics artists at the time. Right. But they didn't have the footprint. They didn't have the sales numbers. They didn't have the, you know, you couldn't, you, it was really, really hard. A lot of those independent comics writers were at full-time other jobs because there was no way they were going to survive on the income of their, of their artwork. There were very, you know, for every R. Crumb, yeah. uh, there were a million other artists, would be would be comic artists who could who weren't who weren't being carried by DC or Marvel. People who were who would never never made it, and you've never heard of. Right, and some of them had probably had some amazing stories that could not be told under the Comics Code Authority. Right. Well, there came a point where DC basically said, "Well, hang on a second. There's nothing that says we can't publish a book, uh, a line of comic books that doesn't, you know, we just, it just won't, we'll just tell people it's not, not for kids, not for kids. Yeah. And they had several titles already that were already running, uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman, 
um, uh, Hellblazer, the the series that would the modern version of it is is the Constantine series, yeah. um, Swamp Thing, uh, a couple other titles, and these were already these were series that were already running. Um, and we're already dancing on the edge. And this was part of the reason they were doing this, is that because they were already publishing things that were like, you know, strictly speaking, we're in violations of the Comics Code Authority. Right. Uh, if the, and, and they were still, they were extremely well written, but there was language, there was nudity, there was violence that, that was outside the range, you know, the, the guidelines of the Comics Code Authority. And there was some blowback on those comic books at the time people were pointing this out and it was like hey you know and so uh in 93 vertigo launched those some of those comics rolled into the vertigo imprint and they rolled out a whole bunch of titles and really through the 90s into the mid 2000s i think vertigo really was a powerhouse Right. And there was some, you know, Neil Gaiman published a ton of great stuff there. A uh, hundred bullets was published out of there. Transmetropolitan, uh, some really, really fantastic. Preacher, Preacher, Preacher came out of there, and Preacher uh, got blowback on a lot of different levels. And to some degree, DC was able to sit there and go, "It's Vertigo. Yeah. We warned you." You know, <laughs> and it was almost and, there are no illusions here, guys. And Marvel did the same thing with their Max label. Right, not the to the same success yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. I think that one of the things that, that DC did really well with Vertigo was they courted some really, really amazing talent and gave them freedom to tell almost, almost any story they wanted to. Right. There were some, there were some titles that were either canceled uh, early on or issues that were killed. Um, Neil Gaiman was actually meant to write for Swamp Thing. And he pulled out after, a, and this was a controversial uh, uh, issue at the time, is that one of the character of Swamp Thing, um, I'm, I'm sure we're not going to get this far in the TV series, but uh, he was part of the, the he was, part, he was a, an agent of the Green, which is the, the Parliament of Trees, which is the, the collective consciousness of the plant life, of the planet, mm -hmm. since the dawn of plant life. Um, so this is, I mean, it's become a thing, it's, it's become a conscious thing, and, and every generation has its own variation of Swamp Thing. It's, uh, so he's, it's, 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 he's ended up being, becoming a legacy character in his own book, which was kind of cool. Uh, but one of the issues was he was meant to go back and be present at the crucifixion. And how this would have been handled, nobody knows. It could have been incredibly respectful. It could have been very disrespectful. Nobody knows editorial killed it. Now, there's a lot of reasons that you could argue that this was a good choice, but it was also viewed by many of the creators of Vertigo who had been told they could do they could do what they, you know, they were allowed to have the control and to tell the stories they wanted to tell because this was this was that space you could do that in. Right. Um, and so there was a lot of there was a lot of creator blowback you know, going, guys, you can't just sit there and go, you can do it, you know, you can tell the stories you want to tell and then come in and tell us we can't do it. That's, that's not the deal. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and so there's some of that going on. And there's certainly, there were certain titles that uh, when they made it out outside of the comics industry into the, into the mainstream consciousness, um, they were, you know, Preacher was extremely controversial. Uh, you know, the, 
if you if you noticed there was a certain amount of, of news and 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 outcry when the TV series came out. Kids, you have no idea. This isn't even <laughs> touching what was coming out when the comic was coming out. Uh, and in many ways, for all the hyper-violence of Creature, and I still maintain that the first season of Preacher was really good, the second season, eh, it was a bit stepped down in terms of story. The, visually, it looked great, but stepped down in terms of story, which is unfortunate, because Preacher, the comic, um, was such a crazy, wild ride. And it's one of the comics that I, uh, I had, and I don't anymore, I had every issue. I had every issue of Preacher, every issue of Sandman, um, every issue of Swamp Thing from about, well, from the, about the anatomy lesson, which is where the comic really was revitalized. Alan Moore stepped in and, right. and saved the comic. It was going to be canceled. Um, up through, oh, God, um, probably 100 issues after that. And up until the point that I stopped collecting comics, which would have been about... And that was just because just I didn't have the money. No. Uh, about 2005, when I moved here, <laughs> um, I had every issue of, of Hellblazer. Uh, you know, so, because these were these were some of the best written comics in the market. I mean, and the thing was is that you you weren't they were they were very much not superhero titles. So, I mean, if you love superhero titles, these were not a lot of the, there there were superhero stories happening in Vertigo, but for the most part, it was uh, very much. Uh, Story of the Books of Magic, Tim Hunter, the Tim Hunter series, which predates Harry Potter, and has uh, Neil Gaiman uh, was very very gracious not to sue, uh, considering how much Tim Hunter look, how much Harry Potter looks like Tim Hunter. Right, I I think I remember hearing about that. Yeah, uh, it was, and and it you know I, there's no indications that J.K. Rowling consciously ripped it off or anything like that. I mean, there's a certain amount of the small bespectacled boy. Mm-hmm. That fits the whole kind of story there. Right. So I mean, there's it's just like you know, it doesn't matter. But there's so many similarities. There was an owl. It's in both stories, and et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, incredible line. But fast forward to the mid two thousands, and you know, long before we get to t- today, and you had a much larger market of independent titles and and smaller labels. And yeah, Vertigo paved the image, way. Image and IDW were in by then. Boom mm-hmm. Studios were in, yeah. were in there. Uh, Dark Horse. Dark Horse was there. And Image really was the one that kind of kicked open the door for all of that. Because yeah. you had people like Lee Felton and, and, and McFarlane decide, we're going to start our own. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be all creator-owned. And... and Vertigo might have been the precursor to that, mm-hmm. that that mode of thought. And Vertigo had its own creative creator owned line, but it was it was a subline of Vertigo. Yeah, and it was much much smaller. And the and the other thing too is uh, you know at that that sense of ownership for the stories over at Image, they completely owned it. Right, if, if I understand, if I remember right, Neil they, Gaiman owned. So the Sandman. Sandman. And this was this was a big deal at the time, was that he had negotiated this contract that basically said, this is mine. Mm. Uh, and uh, so, that, which has meant that there was a, for a long time, you just, when when se- issue 75 rolled around and he was done, that was it. Yeah. And a lot of fans were like, but how <laughs> can you just not give us more? Well, that's like Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale saying, 
no remakes, no reboots of Back to the Future. Right, it's yeah. done. You don't. You, it's we're not doing anymore. Whereas with Back to the Future, the, the the difference between Back to the Future is that there's what six six and a half hours of story, and Sandman ran for seventy five issues and a number of annuals. Now, of course, Gaiman returned to the Sandman characters, and one of the most recent iterations of Vertigo was actually built on characters from the dreaming which of course is the realm that that the sandman exists in in, in game right and the uh, whole idea of quote-unquote relaunching mm -hmm. vertigo was to have have the platform for the sandman universe right because they were making a big deal out of it for a while mm -hmm. until they weren't because now we're into the sales slump, I guess, if we're going to be generous, um, the you know, in the last five ten years, mm -hmm. the comic books have kind of not really been. I mean, you've had the comic book movies, mm -hmm. but nobody's buying comic books because of the comic book movies. Well, I think you're also right into the fact that that you have series like this where characters created by Neil Gaiman versus written by. Mm -hmm. Neil Gaiman, mm -hmm. right. you know, and I think that, and, I, and I'm just using Neil Gaiman as an example. Neil Gaiman was not the end all and be all of Vertigo, uh, but he's a convenient example that most of us, especially with you know Good Omens, is out now, and I mean he's a, his name is very much and recognizable for a lot of non comic book fans. Yeah. Well, and then you had um, what's her name, Ber Berman, Susan Berman, what was it? Was Karen Berger? Karen Berger. Yeah. Right, sorry. So when Karen Berger left, yeah. Karen Berger, Kinber, Karen Berger Shepherd. She built Vertigo. She built it and she shepherded it beautifully for years. And when she left, yeah, that was the end of Vertigo, and a lot of people said, "That's it. It's never had, going to be the I same." I think they had two or three editors after her, but she was really the driving Susan force. Bond, I think, was. Blind. I think so. Yeah. yeah. But, and and now you have this hollow shell of vertigo that's been around for the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we I was looking at this and, and because of course there's a the number of titles. So, for those of you who are listening, of course, you can't you can't see this, but if I'm, you know, my I have a fairly large cell phone. It's what 5 <laughs> inches, 5 inch tall screen. Scroll, 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 and I'm just I'm just scrolling down lists of titles. And and for it's clarification, huge. ladies and gentlemen, I do not have cell phone envy. And, uh, <laughs> I yeah. understand that's a you thing. Just make, you just make the point that the cell phone is so big. Well, this <laughs> as a rel. I mean, to, uh, anyway, anyway. Uh, but I mean, so this is an example here. Um, uh, let's see here. Let's see. Doom Patrol. Hey, there's a TV show about called uh -huh. Doom Patrol. Um, Doom Patrol existed well before Vertigo, but Vertigo brought it back in one of its most exciting phases oh. and some of the most interesting stories in the basic and huge fan favorites came out of Vertigo. Uh, uh, Animal Man. Got came went over to to Vertigo and became a fascinating story and about. That's, and but he. Did Animal Man go back 
after New 52? Because Animal Man was folded into New 52. Right. Yeah, yeah. He, and then... It's, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think it's ever gone back to Vertigo. Back out, or, um, or I, that's, that's before New 52? I think before New 52. Okay. Uh, Black Orchid, uh, a lesser-known character, but one of the earliest Vertigo titles was a Black Orchid series, which ran, I think, for two years. Uh, Sandman, Hellblazer, uh, Swamp Thing... Um, you know, those are the big name ones, but then you get into A Hundred Bullets, one of the best crime series. Uh, and it was, and there were, there was nothing super. You know, there were no superheroes in it. That's just crime. There was a, there was an element of the supernatural, but it was more about uh, the impression of something almost mystical, right? A, an organization that had, had sort of imbued itself with the idea of being this ancient, powerful organization. But it was really about mobs. It was about, you know, and it was just. Uh, on, a, on a global scale in a different way. Fa fantastic series. Uh, Children's Crusade, The Extremist, Jonah Hex. Had a, there was a Jonah Hex Vertigo series. Um, Why, the, Why the Last, the Man. Last Man. Which is being adapted maybe if Maybe. Someday. Um, they're in production, I think. But see, and, and that, goes, that goes to a point that has been raised by a number of people online is that Nowadays, it feels like, and this is not me personally. This I'm just. This is what I'm running across, and some different people opining about. Mm -hmm. um, not just Vertigo, but other things like Ahoy Comics mm -hmm. or uh, the merger between Oni Press and and Lion Forge. Right. The goal being not to sell comics. Right. The goal being set up the next movie franchise. We want to be the next Marvel Cinematic yeah, Universe. Right. And when you look at it that way, that is a terrible reason to be doing any of this. Oh, yeah. You, If you're going to be a comic book publisher, then your goal should be tell good stories in comic books. Mm -hmm. Whether it's single issues every month right. in the periodicals, or in the graphic novels, right. if you're going to put something together that way, and you can do it for any age group. You can do it for kids. You can do it. Up, you can do. You can do stuff that is uh, all all audiences. You can do stuff right. that is very adult. You've got a range of stuff you can tell. And but they're not doing that. They're, they're no. saying they're, because we've we've run across there have been a number of movies adapting comic books based on comic book properties. That have made it a little worse. I think they even did one. Uh, they did one with a hundred bullets with uh, Denzel Washington and Mark Wahlberg. Did um, yeah, was that a hundred bullets? No, it wasn't hundred bullets. And and the thing is, the thing is, is that uh, and there's a long that? there's a long list of Vertigo titles that have been uh, optioned, and we were supposed to get adaptations. And oddly enough, this is actually the perfect time to do Vertigo titles. Because we're in that era of prestige TV. We've got the Game of Thrones. We've got Discovery. We've got these big, high-budget genre programs on these platforms, uh -huh. right? And there's an audience for it, okay? We're getting Preacher on, you know, AMC. We're getting, we're getting these, you know, the environment exists for these kind of stories. But Vertigo stories, the Vertigo comic line was never going to be a, here's a two-hour movie. Yeah. And it was a perfect example of that, V for Vendetta. 
And I know V for Vendetta has a lot of fans of the film, but it's an awful adaptation. Two Guns. Two Guns, yeah. It was based on the Grant Morrison... Was it Grant Morrison? Based on Boom Studios. Mm-hmm. Boom Studios graphic novel. Not, not Grant Morrison. I don't think I read that right. Two Guns. But if you... Adapting the Invisibles... Well, by the way, uh, uh, Grant Morrison, um, I believe he sued uh, the Matrix, the creators and the studio that put out the Matrix because the Matrix... Um, there is a significant amount of evidence that the storyline to the Matrix was <clears throat> borrowed from the Invisibles. Oh? Mm-hmm. This is an old scandal. Uh, this is not one that I heard about. Yes, there's a lot of there's there's many similarities between the world that you think you know and the world that turns out not to be the world and all the th- there's a whole there's like dink 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 yeah. dink dink here's the points. Uh, I believe there was a settlement. Uh, but so but the Invisibles would it would not work as a two hour film. It just simply wouldn't. It's too big a story. Uh, Transmetropolitan. Transmetropolitan. Dear television studio. If you want a show that's going to make people tune in every week, is going to make people fall on the floor laughing, offend about every possible member of every viewing audience at least once, um, prob- and and make a, a turn turn make people tune in every single week to watch this show. Mm. Do Transmetropolitan, folks. I'm telling you, I will take a tiny percentage of the profits for bringing you the idea, because this will be TV gold. I, I, I need to interrupt for just a moment. Alfie, what are you doing? He wants office some attention. Dog, office Dog is sitting over here, and, and I, can't, I can't turn a camera to him, but he is standing... Uh, it's because uh, uh, Mindy has she's, food. She's got food, and he's just... He, I don't he, know if you can hear this or not, but he is just absolutely being a baby tonight. He he's is a small dog do who is not being given treats. Please. He's like to complain. Please, I'd like some more. Yes. Please. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, so it, it's... It, but it, it's, it's fertile ground. Lucifer, a TV show, very, very popular. Uh, canceled, brought back. Um, dubious adaptation of the comic series. I would very loose, very loose, very entertaining, loose. and 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 as to to because I can't avoid the pun, I have to go for it. Entertaining as hell, but but the devil is in the details. But the devil is in the details, and and the devil is in the details. I would love to see a adaptation of the of the first arc of the comic series because and I'm I'm not I uh, I'm not sure Ray Fines maybe. Ray finds uh, uh, let it, Ray finds is the devil. He wasn't Harry Potter. No, but let Ray finds look like Ray finds and oh, give him a nose. Give him a nose. Yes, let let Ray finds look look. He's a very good looking guy. Let him let him play up play up the attractiveness angle because Lucifer's. Yeah, that's, cause, well, because because Lucifer in the comic book doesn't look a thing like Lucifer in the TV show. If he was if he was blonde. Yeah. And uh, but. But there, I mean, it's it's a much it's a much bigger um, story about good and evil and heaven and hell and all these things. It's a, it's it's epic storytelling. Mike Mark Carey mm-hmm. uh, really decided to tell this gigantic arc of of the devil saying, "Screw this, I'm out of here." Yeah. You know, I'm, I don't want to play your games anymore, God, mm-hmm. and and what that means. 
and that rolled into the Sandman with hell basically being, uh, you know, the devil, the devil drops the keys to hell into Morpheus's, uh, hand and goes, your problem now and chucks out. I mean, it's some fascinating stuff was going on in this. This is the kind of stuff you could do in vertigo. You could, you could do these yeah. kind of stories, but let's see, uh, I mentioned hundred bullets. Why the, ex the last man mm -hmm. has been in development hell forever. Um, Let's see, a hundred bullet, uh, uh, fables. Oh, fables, the series that people have been clamoring for for about which we kind of got with Once Upon a Time. But oh really, God, no! A lot of people. There were a lot of people when that show first came out. Mm -hmm. People were like, "What?" Yeah. So there were discussions about lawsuits involving that as well. Yeah. Uh, but again, the thing is, is that both of those take. A, a concept that is not hard to come up with and run with it in very different ways. There's a, there's a lot of politics in, in fables, uh, uh, Willingham's own, this, this is an example. We talked about this before the politics of the creator coming into their, into their creation. Yeah. A lot of Willingham's politics came into fables and he got some blowback from readers, but overall he used it to tell a story point. And so you could disagree with it, and still see how it was, you know, he played it, he, overall, I think he played it out fairly. I don't, and, and his, his politics are, are, I don't necessarily agree with his, some of his political points he's making in there, mm. but it's still made for good storytelling. So it's an example of, of when, of you, uh, that's a way you can do it. I think, I think he did, overall, he did it well. There right. were, there were some issues, I think. See, where, and that's eh, the, that's but, the trick that a lot of creators nowadays have not learned is... Well, and I think I think he. How do, you, how do you, how do you still tell a good story, first? If you're gonna make if you're gonna make politics part of it. Right, and I think to some degree, he, the there was a has so there was a little bit of creep where it wasn't noticeable. Yeah. Not Dave Sims Cerebus creep, where uh, which actually became which is actually a I think it's Cerebus creep is the actual term. I think it's a it's a. Service slip, mm -hmm. uh, or something like that, um, where basically Dave Sim, and that was uh, that was one of the great successful independent comics for a long, yeah. long time, where Dave Sim's own mental instability. Well, see, and that played a, that's into a, a lot of, but his own politics and views on on women and the church and all these things kind of played into the way the story was written, and he destroyed a lot of the goodwill of his readers. Mm -hmm by allowing this to go onto the page and he seriously damaged his relationship with the artist and i would and i would submit that some of that may have come into play with this latest iteration with vertigo i mean you don't hire zoe quinn to write a comic book Unless you're looking to trigger people who are going to react to Zoe Quinn writing a comic book. Because Zoe Quinn has never written a comic book before. And the video game that was supposedly in development that they crowdfunded mm -hmm. had never materialized. And the artist that was supposed to be involved sat there and said, I don't know anything about it. I'm not involved in it. And then Zoe Quinn is posting pictures. Hey, look at my trip to Japan. And there's a lot. There's a lot of and, and, and you know, politics aside, a lot of people see Zoe Quinn as a fraud, mm. and they hire this person to write a Vertigo title, and then they put Robbie Rodriguez on for artwork. Right. And we know 
you know, we've talked about this. Right. Robert Rodriguez lets lets his you know. How how do you say this uh, delicately? puts puts a photograph of his has 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 misused the social media platform. Yes, let's let's and didn't call it that. Get any kind of consequences because of it. Yeah, hey, Ethan Van Skyver, This is what I think of you and your and your stuff. Mm -hmm. He takes a picture of his yeah rear entry point, let's say, and nothing. And then, of course, there, and then the an, another Vertigo title, Border Town, written uh, by Eric mm -hmm. S. Wavell. We did mm -hmm. a story about him. And apparently, people knew this is the Whisper Network again. It's like Abe Brianza. Right. The Whisper Network. Everybody knew that Eric S. Wavell was bad news. I'll, I'll generalize. Mm -hmm. But grooming teenagers... Come on, I mean, and, and why would you hire this guy? And and I yeah. read I read the first issue of Border Town, mm -hmm. and it is one of I never did the, read it. It's it is, it's a terrible book. There you go. The artwork's not bad, mm -hmm. but the writing is terrible. I mean, he's wearing his anti-white attitude on his sleeve in this book, and you couple that with his history, his personal history. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here and thinking to myself, if I'm, if I'm, okay, well, uh, we have various different members of the staff here. Sure. If somebody came to me and said, hey, um, Joe Schmo back over here, he's got a history of chasing after underage girls. You, you might want to do something about it. The first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to bring Joe Schmo into my office and I'm going to say, hey. I'm hearing this story. What can you tell me about this? Sure. And unfortunately, with, with, with a situation like Vertigo and, and DC and Warner Brothers and all these things, we don't know. It's hard to tell anymore who's running the company. Well, yeah. And, and I've, seen, I've seen some comments lately, uh, some people who are, are basically saying that Andy Corey who was, I guess, assistant editor or editor, mm. managing editor or whatever, Vertigo. Andy Corey is the one who killed Vertigo by some of the decisions that he made on the creative side of things. Yeah. By, it's all, and again, we were talking, we talked about this before, the culture war, identity politics being right there at the top. Yeah, but I, and, and, and I, and I, and I complete, and I don't disagree with, I don't disagree that, that this is a factor, but I, again, like I said, I've been thinking about this all day. But when you've got I've books, been very excitingly editing all day. Sell, and they continue to not sell. Mm -hmm. But you continue to hire these people and give them other titles. Well, but and I think okay, I think Tom you're looking. King. I'll give you an example. Tom King. Tom King was supposed to do at least a hundred issues on Batman. Sure. He did the whole you know Bruce Wayne Selina Kyle marriage right. thing yeah, that uh -huh. actually didn't happen in issue fifty. There was tremendous blowback. Right, and there was there was some, and he said there was supposedly a plan there that there was actually a thing. Right, right? And, and we get it. Okay, fine. Okay. But Batman is not even selling ninety thousand titles in a month anymore. Right. So Tom King is not on Batman anymore. Mm -hmm. He's going to do Batman, Catwoman, whatever. He gets his own thing. He gets a, I don't want to say golden parachute, but. He's taken off of that book, mm -hmm. and and just that's, to just just that's what I actually I've actually enjoyed a significant I've enjoyed a significant chunk of what he's written for and Batman. That's by fine. the way, but 
if say. you're not selling, oh, if yeah. the book's not selling, well, but you here's, don't write the book anymore. Here's the thing about Vertigo, is that when DC or Marvel or anybody else has the, the sales numbers elsewhere... You, they say. Okay, but no, 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 I'm talking. I'm talking in the 80s and 90s well, and okay, 2000s. Yeah, right. Okay, when you've got those sales numbers elsewhere, you can have a platform like Vertigo where you're never gonna sell. You're never gonna have Justice League or right. Batman or Flash or Hawkman numbers. But that's back in the day when Spider-Man was doing 380, 390 thousand issues a month. Sure, but again. Now, I, not anything close to that. You're looking at the mid-2000s, and, and by that point, you did not have to go to Vertigo to find these kinds of books. You could right. find these kinds of books everywhere. Yes. But up I until the, industry-wide. Oh, sure. I mean, you're, but, looking at, you're looking at the comparison of the numbers now. Yeah, I know. I'm, you know I know, but... Oh, no, you can, I mean... They're not selling. No, that, you know, they're not... Well, got, because... Because again... shutting down at 50, 50 well, and 60 a year. But like you mentioned earlier, we're also... We're in the era where comic book fans don't need to buy comic books. They can go to the movies. They can watch it on TV. They can... And, and, and that's... <laughs> Except your comic book fan, as 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 you as that 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 container that yeah, paper, yeah. the comic book fan is still going to want to go buy a comic book. Well, okay, the yeah, yes, they will. The comic but book I'm movie fan, yeah, completely different set of group, uh, different different kind of audience. They're not going to go buy the books, right? But the. It's that it's that weird thing where something becomes a popular thing, and and that circles us back to: Are you writing a comic book mm -hmm. as a stepping stone to write TV shows? It, like we're starting to see, I you know, uh, and I don't even remember who it was that that posted on Twitter. Uh, I caught a flash of it, and then it was gone. It was basically. Um, I'm off the book because I'm too busy writing the pilot for these two TV shows. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Are you a comic book writer? Are it? Are you are you going to be in the comics industry, or are you comic book writer until you get your name out there and you move on to something else? Well, and and to note the clarification, then and again, come back to Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman wrote a lot of comic books, but he was also yeah. writing novels and, and doing adaptations for his books into, into right. film. But he didn't jump off of a title that he right. just started and this in is, order to write a Right, so we want, to make that, we want to make that distinction. There are plenty of creators who are doing work in multiple media. And that's fine. You do them concurrently or right. you do them one at a time. Or and, maybe, and if you can handle that workload, fantastic. If you can't, Pick what you need to pick, and don't let the other one slide. Because you might be a fantastic comic book writer, but if your focus is getting pulled over this TV series, and all power to you that you got the TV series, good for you. Don't let your fans down on the comic. I'm still trying. Don't to figure don't out. get pulled off it. Yeah. Tell tell the tell the the publisher you can't. You need to have somebody else pick up the writing responsibilities or the drawing responsibilities on this yeah. title because you well, can't do it. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how Max Visaggio got a TV deal. On a book that has only sold maybe 800 copies. Which book? Uh, uh, that's a good question. I want to say it was Kim and Kim, which nobody's read. I'm and, not familiar with that one. It, it was a little indie title thing. Um, while, we're, while, while you're checking on I'm that, looking, I, I, do wanna, that. I, I do want to touch on a couple of things. Um, 
Vertigo titles have made the jump to the cinemas. Uh, Constantine, which is based on the Hellblazer series, and is a very fun movie. I enjoy that film. The one with Keanu Reeves. The one with Keanu Reeves. It it's doesn't a, look a thing like It's a movie. terrible Hellblazer movie, but it's a lot of fun, and I cannot, I cannot tell you it's a bad movie because I enjoyed it. Uh, Peter Stramari as the devil is one of the my one of my top five devils in in cinema. Uh, so, a history of violence. A history of violence was not originally a Vertigo title. It was part of the the, the crime subprint of Vertigo. Vagrant Queen is the title. No, not familiar at all. No, nobody has. Okay, heard of well, maybe, maybe it's amazing. Uh, who knows? Um, but probably not. I don't know. And maybe it is. Uh, uh, Viggo Mortensen. And Ed Harris starred in History of Violence, uh, directed by David Cronenberg. It's a really good film, and it's a fairly faithful adaptation of the of the graphic mm-hmm. novel. Condensed, uh, V for Vendetta, which I mentioned before. I, again, I'm sorry if, if you really like that film. I own it. I watch it occasionally. It's a terrible adaptation of the book. I love the the seriously, guys. If you if you get a chance to pick up the the collection, the the you know the twelve issue graphic novel, do it because it is a it is a. It was written. It was uh, uh, written at a period of time in British history. That was the Thatcher years, and there were a lot of people who really, really were afraid. And unfortunately, the legacy of this we're seeing play out in the Brexit. However, wherever you fall on the on the Brexit spectrum, um, we would not have had Brexit if some of the things that happened during the Thatcher years hadn't happened. Okay, so there's there's a. A to B to C thing that you can actually follow along. But Alan Moore wrote this incredible, incredible thing because he was afraid about what Thatcher's Britain could turn into. And it's an amazing book that the movie simplifies so much that you can... Because it has to. Yeah, unfortunately. um, It it is dying for an HBO uh, 12-episode run. Mm -hmm. Issue by issue, guys. Adapt issue by issue and and, well, and and win all the awards. And we're starting to see now with HBO going back to Watchmen, mm-hmm. which looks to be a continuation of the story. And it's right. A later. It's, a, it's essentially a sequel. Right. And for Watchmen for a long time. And Watchmen, by the way, was... Uh, uh, I don't believe it was a Vertigo title no, initially. It it, it, it's but, become part of the Vertigo line because a lot of, Vertigo became sort of the place where a lot of this stuff was gathered, so you needed a place to live. I don't think it was ever a Vertigo title. I think it was. I think but it was marketed for a while as a Vertigo. It's now going to be a DC Black Label, right? Mm-hmm. Which is going so the the three the it's three new categories. Basically, what they're doing is they're they're breaking it down into age groups. And I tend to agree with uh, uh, some some of the criticism that an imprint label is not an age label. And I get what they're doing. I get I get you know they want to fold it all into the DC brand. Okay, fine. sure, sure. But you're going to have DC Kids. Mm-hmm. You're going to have DC, mm-hmm. which you know, DC Kids is going to be for like eight to twelve years old. DC Kids thirteen and over, uh, uh, thirteen to sixteen. And then DC Black Label, which is 17 and up, mm-hmm. which is the R-rated stuff. Is it going to be right, the more right. edgier? The, the, and all of the Vertigo stuff is going to be folded into Black Label. Right. But there are some conflicting explanations as to why they're doing this. There's, this surprises me not at all. <laughs> not at all. There's... Uh, we want to be one single brand, DC. I've, I've seen that one. Sure. We've seen um, 
too many different labels gets confusing for the audience. Sure. Which is another way of them saying, we think you're stupid and you can't keep track. Except that sometimes that's true. Uh, I mean, if if you're if you're well, if you're not branding it correctly, well, see, and that's that's on them. That's oh, not no, on us. Oh I, oh, I well, I agree. But if they're two, but if if there's two many different brands, and you're and you're the one who's not branding it correctly, you're and, still confusing and people. Then, and then we heard, uh, I I think it came out over the weekend. There was there was some stuff about whoever the new executive, because Diane Nelson's gone. Mm-hmm. So whoever is now in charge of DC Entertainment didn't like the idea of having multiple multiple imprints and, and different branding. And we're, like, we're, which we're, is it? We're back to who's running Which is what? It? It's it can't be all of those things. Well actually I think the first two the first two are are variations on a theme. I can't well I can see and, we want to do could, everything in a brand because we did that here. Right. Well right? yeah everything here, sci fi for me, because we folded horror for me back mm-hmm. into right. back into the brand. So sci-fi for me is the is the overall broad brand, and then we have sci-fi for me TV, and we have sci-fi for me. Sure, TV. but I mean your 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 first two are essentially this. Are, they're different versions of the same argument. We we have too many different labels on things. We can just trim it down, make it clean and clear, and ta-da! Here you go. The third one, um, if a you know. Gee, has it ever worked out well when when and again, I don't know if this is true. You know, just, we're just hearing this stuff, right? We don't have a, we don't there's nothing official, right? right. Um, so let's be very clear there. But how often has it worked out when someone when a when a producer or the new head of a studio has come along and said, "I just don't like this thing. Let's stop it." Or let's change it. John Carter. Generally speaking, it's well, not just John Carter, but a lot of different things. Uh, whether it's been oh, it happens all the time. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's n- almost never a good decision. Uh, it may not. And I'm not saying it's not an understandable decision. You want to put your you, you become in charge. You want to put your own stamp on things. Hey, guess what? This is this is how this world works. Uh, however, even so, and but. Um, it doesn't. That's not a great idea. And and if that's the, if that's the explanation, then unfortunately, it sounds to me like something that we've seen come out of DC for certain certain decisions. Certain decisions. Let's be let's be diplomatic. Certain decisions made by DC Comics over the past, say, fifteen years. Let's say fifteen years have been short-sighted at best. Questionable. Uh, questionable, and, short-sighted. And the explanations that we sometimes get, if we get, yeah. as in this case, the explana- the 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 long the further out we get from the decision, the more contradictory explanations for the decision we get. Until we get to the point, as readers, as an audience, we don't trust. Sure. The yeah. publisher. Well, and at this point, uh, I mean, the, Vert- the Vertigo announcement—the Vertigo announcement has what? Just a couple days old, really. Uh, about a week. About a week. Yeah, yeah not quite. Uh, not quite a week. Half a week. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we're we're still in the early days of people just trying to explain themselves um, when they. But see, the thing about it is, though, if you're going to make this kind of decision, well, but you considering... should have everything planned because you know that there's going to be PR. Yeah, but they just no. revamped Vertigo a few. Uh, Right. Well, within the last year, yeah, this means, means that this decision was not made 
with a this was not a decision we decided to make a year ago, six months ago. Right. This is this a decision is, that someone's made. Now thing. This is this is a Which, recent decision. If I'm going to make this big of a change in my company's brand, because we did it again, we did it here. Everything got laid out ahead of time. Yeah, but who's again? The question is: is who's if the if the decision is coming down from on high, and it's, you are you given still, you still have to make the make the case. Okay, this is what our change is going to be. What's our rollout plan? What press releases are we going to do? What's our explanation? That for this is process? in fact the way the it labels, should be done. The logos, all of the artwork, everything needs to be done before you make it public. This and roll is it out. this is a thing that should be the way it is done. Yes, and everything on this one, it kind of feels like it's an afterthought. It feels like it feels like a decision that was made, and they were told to to do it, do it now. And just, you know, here's here's your here's your marching orders. Here's your talking point, and the people and the oh. except the talking points keep changing. Except except and what that's, what, that's what if, making people look sideways at it. What it what it feels like really to me destroyed. is that um, the people who have been told you know are giving these things out don't know why it happened either. And so well, they've been, they've been given the explanation, that, and the explanation doesn't make sense to them either. Part of that could be, and that's just that's just a, that's just a, a, a thought. It's not I'm, yeah. not. I'm not saying this is a thing. Part of that could be AT and T coming in, you know, because AT and T buys possibly, Time Warner, and you've got this new Warner Media thing, and all mm -hmm. of all of this rearranging and restructuring oh, yeah. up top. Now, hey, there's somebody in charge of DC Entertainment that well, has absolutely no familiarity with it. Certain things flow downhill. Yeah. And if you are at the receiving end of this and you are the poor schmo who has to walk out there and go, here's the thing that we did and we're doing it because of this. Although, Dan DiDio and Jim Lee have experience explaining major decisions like this before. And they've done it enough... <laughs> And they've done it That's so a nice way of saying badly it. Some of what, enough. Some of what DC's decisions making has been questionable. Well, and a lot of people, a lot of people question what, why Dan DiDio is still there at DC. But for him, uh, he's he's one of these almost like um, almost like Russell Davies. You know, pick pick the explanation that sounds the most plausible, and we'll go with that, right? Yeah. You know, so, you know, Davies lies. You know, or uh, I think I think Dan DiDio. You're thinking Moffat. You're thinking Moffat. 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 Well, Moffat. Uh, 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 Russell Davies uh, did, did did his share of, of fibbing on Doctor Who as well. Yeah, but yeah, Moffat. You're, thank yeah. you. Um, Mo Moffat reveled in the fact that you could not trust him. Oh yeah, he made he a and, point of it. Yeah, DiDio not so much. You, you know, he's he I mean, he seems sincere. He's very enthusiastic. He's very energetic. He's really gung ho about about the DC brand. One wonders how much he but, is doing his best. And again, I don't know how much he's doing his best to put a positive face on decisions that he's not. He's he's being told he has to make because the, that, you know, when you get this sort of corporate structure, and and as much of a possibility as that I'm just is, saying, you know, and as attractive as that possibility I don't, is, I don't, it makes me wonder how many times. Somebody is going to make him decide something he doesn't want to decide before he leaves. The fact that he has stayed there all this time. Well, but also sometimes, I mean, uh, you know, I, I worked for Borders for 10 years and the last three years were hell. 
Um, but I loved I loved my customers and I loved my staff and I loved I loved the industry. Yeah, but you weren't a vice president of borders. No, but I was a manager, and, and I had to and I had to deal with a, a general manager who didn't read, and I had to deal with an area manager who sold shoes. Wow. Uh, and I, people, you know, these the uh, the the company model. And again, I'm not saying this is what's happening with with DC, but I'm familiar with the idea of what happens when the people when the company hires people to run things who are making decisions that the people who actually have to run the business, the Dan Didios of, of DC and, and whatever comparative roles in Marvel or Dark Horse or, or, or you know, any of these places where you're, mm. you're telling these stories and you've got a corporate master. Uh, and you know, I mean, uh, corporate masters is often a negative, and I'm I'm just using I'm I'm not, I'm not look I'm not I'm we not don't have any corporate masters. I, I'm not blasting the corporate masters uh, except when I am. Um, but there's a reason Borders isn't around anymore. Yeah. It's because they they are thought was after having you know 25 30 years of a company that was run by book dealers. We need to have people. We need to make we need to make lots of money. So we need to have retailers run it. And in the in the process, they managed to shoot their company in the head, and there's a you know, it, and it killed the company. Yeah. And I left when I left, um, and I, I don't still don't know how I feel about this. Part of me is proud, and part of me is sad. But within a year of my leaving, 95 percent of the staff that was there when I was there was gone, and I had hired a significant chunk of them, yeah. and. They left on their own. They weren't fired. They weren't let's sit there and go, you know, let's clean out the remnants of Tim's black, <laughs> black rock on our store. It was they left the company. Yeah. And the GMs that I worked with and the assistant managers that I worked with around the the country, the the lady the lady who I competed against for the London store, I wasn't never going to get the London store, <laughs> but I was I, I actually interviewed for it. Nice um, and but the lady who who did who I stayed in touch with who she she ran that store for a year she had a year long visa trained to train her replacement and come back home, um, you know she had left the company all these really really talented people because it wasn't it was being run by retailers and not book dealers, right. and we made a lot of things where we did a whole lot of grind teeth, do job. Do not stab boss. <laughs> and again, no, I have no idea. I am not excusing Dan Didio of any of the decision-making right. process. But I'm also saying that... Sometimes the higher-ups know what they're doing. And you, are, and you look at the, the thing that you are running. Yeah. You're looking at your thing and you go, I just have to hold on long enough to make sure that this thing works and this thing works. And sometimes that can be six months or five years, or you will tear me away from this when you could take my <laughs> fingers out of, I am dug in, and you are going to have to break them to get me out of here. Right. Speaking of stabbing the boss, uh, our, our intern engineer over here is about ready to do that. We have gone an hour and 15 minutes. Shocked. Sh shocked I am. Yes. So, uh, so you can trim off this, you can, uh, for the podcast version, you can trim off the silent bar at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah. So that's yeah. going to save us a few minutes. That'll save us a You can trim minutes. off the tour of the studio they can't see. And that'll save... Oh, you, can, you can cut us down see, to an hour without any trouble. See, the thing about it is, though, if they're listening yeah. and they hear us talking about the studio... They could build a vision in their mind. Then it's incentive for them to tune in to our live broadcast 
and see what we're talking about. By the Always way, folks, uh, if if you are listening to the podcast, or if, if you're if you're watching uh, either live or, or on delay, uh, we are now. This podcast is now on iHeartRadio, and you can do a search for the H two O podcast mm-hmm. because that's that's how you have to search for it. If you just search H two O podcast, you get a lot of people talking about water, and it's not us. But the H2O podcast, you'll get, you'll, you'll find us. So we need to do an episode that is all about water. Let's see. There's, uh, we can do an Aquaman. We can do, uh, Namor. no, I'm thinking just movies, uh, Aquaman. We can do, um, what's the one with Kevin Costner? Waterworld. Waterworld. Uh, we, we could do, <laughs> uh, we, the abyss. The abyss. We could do, um, would you, would you count, uh, um, Oh, help me out. Um, oh, we should. Uh, I don't know. Sean Connery. Comic books is why he retired. Oh, uh, uh, League of Extraordinary League Gentlemen. Of Extraordinary no. Gentlemen. No. Well, it, <laughs> no. Nemo. Nemo's in it. No. Terrible uh, movie. Do not watch it. At Waterworld was was any better? Yes. <laughs> I will fight you. To, on Waterworld being better, that's how uh, bad League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was, folks. Uh, Waterworld yeah. was a more entertaining film. It didn't hurt. It didn't hurt my soul, the way that because League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, fantastic series, butchered in a movie, uh, well, and one of the one of the reasons that Alan Moore, the final nail in the coffin for Alan Moore, basically saying, you know, don't even tell me you're making an adaptation. I, I realize, you know, don't even tell me. I don't want to know. Yeah. You. Butchers. <laughs> he said it a lot with a lot more vile terminology. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he had some colorful incantations that are involved. That's in that right. Too. Do There's... not get on the bad side of Ellen no, Moore, kids. No. All right, so that's going to do it for us tonight. Just a real quick a reminder: uh, we do have a discount code set up over at superherostuff.com. You can get 10% off when you use the code Sci-Fi for Me 10. If we can pull that up. And the superhero stuff there. The graphic just hit the graphic. There's the graphic. <laughs> She's out of practice. I, we it's all, been a little we while. All are, we all are. Because how, how many times have we done this in the same? Yeah, room? we've we've had the, the virtual thing. Unfortunately, uh, I, I I you know I can't rule out the virtual stuff coming up because I've got the Fringe Festival coming right. up next month. But. Uh, a couple, I, it's it's a always good to be here. Episodes will probably be tape delay uh, yeah. mm-hmm. as, as part of that, but yeah, we uh, we will we will be here with bells on in our new set ching, in our ching, new ching, studio. Ching, ching. Uh, what was it? Ching, ching, ching. Ah, ah, ah. Said <laughs> <laughs> wrong, 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 wrong franchise. franchise. Wrong franchise. <laughs> All right, so uh, thanks very much for watching, folks. That's going to do it for us. This uh, this show is on live every Monday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, don't forget, we just dropped a new episode of Salacious Crumbs, which is our Star Wars uh, news program that we uh, that we post every other Monday at 7. Uh, it, and are we going to have a new TARDIS sauce this week? That's I hope so. Plan. We'll see if we, that's the plan. We'll see what happens. We, we've had scheduling issues with, and it, this is what happens when you try and put a, a bunch of different people right. who have their own, we all have our own separate lives, and it's kind of like putting things together. I mean, uh, my kid and I, uh, you know, I have a podcast. We haven't recorded since January. It's, it's a thing. It's a thing. 
right. It hurts the whole, it, hurt, it hurts the soul when it's still a thing. All right. Thanks very much for watching, folks. We will be back with another episode next week here on Sci-Fi for Me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, here, uh, here on Sci-Fi for Me TV. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.